I get up there around two o'clock and there's this forestry off to the left and had the tripod set up and put the camera up, had everything lined up the whole lot. Next thing I hear this calling basically, which is what you'd hear during the rut. Um, if you've ever been to the National right. Park, that this the stag. And um Ooh. yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. Yeah. Now I feel like it's in my ear now. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. Very welcome to episode 140 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren, I'm your host this evening, and I'm joined by somebody who, truth be known, has been taking me around two years to get him finally onto the podcast, and now he's on the podcast, I'm delighted to have him on. My friend, the man, the myth, the legend, Robert Zeigenfuss. How are you getting on, my friend? I'm very good, Darren. How are you keeping our eyes? I'm very good, very good, yeah. Sweltering in the heat now at the moment, but sure, other than that, like, I mean, you know, great. All ye Irish with the bloody hot weather. It, it gets it, it gets just touches thirty degrees and you're all complaining about the heat. Now, you know, I even hear there you're looking for hose pipe bands now as well because we got three or four days of hot weather. I know. It rains here three quarters of the flipping year and you have to have a hose pipe band because it's four days of heat. Yeah, I know. It's true, man. But you know what? Like, you can't be running over the water, you know? I mean, we don't have enough of it, as you say. It doesn't rain often enough in Ireland anyway. No, so, no, not we, at all. We, yeah, we'd have to get panicky, like, you know? So, yeah, you're enjoying the heat at the moment, obviously, down in, in the beautiful Kenmare. Oh, God, it's beautiful. It's fabulous. I, I, I've actually, I don't think I've ever, in, in, I'm trying to go back and think, the last 25 years or so that I've been here, I don't think I've ever remembered four or five days of of, of constant heat and beauty as there has been the last couple of days although all the story i could tell you about tomorrow or about yesterday oh god we'll get into that later anyway all right okay yeah interesting yeah so look you know i've kind of alluded to there rob you know it's been taking me a long period of time to get you onto the podcast and i'm really excited to hear the story of you and also you're part of a founding member of a phenomenal instagram hub called insta ireland but we'll get into all that later right now i want you to tell people who is robert I'm an American that moved here back in 1989 and uh, settled here after being back and forth between America and here for a while, trying to figure out what I wanted to do after high school and college. And uh, eventually then met my now wife and have two kids and started a business and went through all the trials and tribulations of, of uh, modern life in Ireland with the last sort of 20 odd years. And it's been, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been good fun. And, you know, I miss home an awful lot, but. I'm kind of here and of kind of just creating a life for myself and and uh, and enjoying every minute of it. Oh well, most of it anyway. As I said, you can ask for nice <laughs> place in the world to bloody yeah. take photographs anyway. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's for sure. That's for sure. And you mentioned you know about being back home and the the temperatures and such like that. So where is home originally, and what temperatures would it be at the moment? Oh, I'm from just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Actually, Billy Joel's song "Allentown, PA." That's where I'm. That was actually where I was born in Bray. Born okay. and raised. Wow. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, this time of the year now, it, it would be, you definitely would have most of the time, it'd be well into the high 20s, mid to upper 30s, sometimes touched into the 40s. Occasionally, Irish weather. Like. Uh, oh, <laughs> Irish yeah, weather. Yeah, 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 yeah. Loads of that. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and, as I said, yeah, but it's good. It's 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 um it's a it's a very humid heat. I mean, as I said, I'm sure enough a lot of your um followers and, and listeners would have been over to the east coast of America before and know that in the you know kind of up in York, Philly, Washington DC area, it can get viciously hot in the summer and get yeah. brutally cold in the winter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you get seasons in the US. Here we kind of get... Oh, yeah. The summer, the only difference is that the rain is warmer. <laughs> that's the only difference, really. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the liquid sunshine is great in the summertime here. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, you know, you mentioned there about, you know, you couldn't imagine such a nicer place to live in to take photographs. So tell me, how did you get started in photography? Oh, God, I got started in photography. Well, I used to always love it. And um, when... You know, I was kind of growing up, I, I kind of always dabbled in a little bit and always used to just find it fascinating. I used to love looking at photographers, surfers and uh, autumnal shots and, and model photography and all this kind of stuff. And um, I'd always wanted to try it, but I was so busy through the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, with, with the boom that was going on at the time. Being in the furniture business is what I is what I do during the day, is my day job. Yeah. And um, it was just so busy that... You know, you just didn't have time to think. And plus the fact, I'll be honest, you were making money. You know, you'd go to the cinema, you'd go out to dinner, you'd go to the bar, you'd, you'd be socializing, you'd travel, stuff like that. Just never really kind of ever picked up a camera. And then in 2008, when the recession started, um, you were kind of sitting at home and I was, I had the iPhone and a buddy of mine was down and he was saying, oh, did you, did you, have you ever looked at this Instagram, you know, this, this thing? So I, I looked at it and tried it and I posted a photograph going over the, the Cork Kerry border to Dungarroch um, one day, and I always find that view up there just so beautiful, looking down on Bantry Bay. Beautiful. And yeah. I took a shot, and it, you know, it, it got like sixty or seventy likes at the time, which I just thought was amazing. And I went, okay, yeah, I could get into this, and you know, eventually just bought bought a, a, a cheap Canon, I think T three I or something like that, and started doing it and never realized it was going to be such an expensive hobby in the middle of a session. <laughs> <laughs> it became worse and worse. True story. And worse. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you see a shot and you say, Oh God, I got to do that. And you know, then you'd see people saying to you, Oh, well, all you got to do is have the right eye and the right distance to have a camera and to have, you know, the, the proper lens, the proper glasses, they say the proper camera, you can't go too far wrong. I mean, as I said, when you have the right the right stuff, when you're using the right equipment, you can you can pull off some phenomenal shots. And in, so, in any type of situation. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. You say there that you kind of started by using the phone, and then you said, "Okay, I'm gonna get into this," and you bought your first camera. Then you think when you got your first camera, did you start to understand photography more and want to understand photography more? Did you? teach yourself how to use the camera other than the phone or how did you learn? Oh, I kind of taught myself, basically speaking, what I would do is, I mean, it was through trial and error. I mean, you'd go out. I mean, I think everybody, everybody kind of starts out with a certain niche. I mean, like I, you know, most people do tend to like sunsets or sunrises, that type of thing. Colors, and that's yeah. where a lot of people, yeah, it's a lot of where a lot of people start They get their, they get their shot. And, you know, being at you know, the Kenmare Bay, You'd run down in the evening times and you'd get a shot off the pier or a shot from the bridge. And you know that's how it all started. And then, you know, you look at your feed, you're kind of going, oh, my God, I've got 25 images on my on my feed at the moment. And they're all sunsets of Khmer. You're kind of <laughs> thinking, well, I got to go out and take a picture of a tree or a river or, or a street or something like that. And you kind of you work through it. But as I say, yeah, at the beginning, oh, my God, I remember taking shots and, you know, you'd be kind of you wouldn't want to move away from ISO 100 because you would want it to be green 
you wouldn't want them to be, you wouldn't want to be using high SOs, high ISOs. You wouldn't want to be using high S stuffs, stuff like that. And you know, you just kind of learn, and that's exactly what I did. I used to just take about three or four shots, test them out different type of different different types of settings, see what worked, see what didn't work, see what would give you a sunburst, see what would you know kind of be oversaturated, undersaturated, and, and worked on it from there. And I mean, as I said, it's an amazing experience. But you never, I mean, you never really. I don't think anybody, even the best of them, um, I don't think you ever really kind of ever perfect it because there's, as you know, there's always new technology and new stuff coming out. And, you know, and you always see that one shot on Instagram that you're going to go, oh, wow, I would love to do that. How did he do that? And then you got to go out and you got to try it. And nine times out of 10, you wind up failing. But I mean, as I said, it's all part of the fun. I, I that's That's what I find most intriguing about it is sitting into the car spontaneously at, you know, sort of. 12 one o'clock at night especially this time of the year go out and try and find that proper angle or that proper point of view to get the to, to get the, the the milky way or you know that proper star shot on the road or something like that i mean it's always just trying to find something new and interesting and, and you know just make it fun i mean that's that's the thing meet people meet new people i mean i think i think instagram has been brilliant from that aspect of things of being able to meet new people, interact with new people. I mean, it's like you and me. I mean, that's how we that's how we wound up meeting and how we became friends for the last number of years. And, you know, I just think it's created an awful lot of those really good bonds that that it can't be broken. And, you know, you've got a common interest and in, in a common love of the area that we're in. And, you know, we try to, to get together and have a drink and, and have a meetup or a dinner and, you know, go shooting, you know, stars or landscapes or sunsets or sunrises or something like that. And, isn't that what, and, and I tell you, I agree with you fully. Isn't that what it's all about? It's about the people that you meet. I mean, okay, the camera is a vessel to get you there to meet those people. But you mentioned how I met you. I think that's a funny story because um, somebody posted a picture up on Monster Landscape Photographers of a photographer taking a photograph at the lake by the Lake Hotel. And does anybody know who this photographer is? And it was a great photograph, but it included the photographer. So you asked, you know what, it would be interesting. So I said, no, I don't. Um, but people started answering the question and a couple of people mentioned this. It might be this guy, Robert. I think he's from Ken Mayer. He's some American guy that lives in Ken Mayer. Hang on, I'll try and find out his name. And before I realized that your name was mentioned to me and I reached out to you and I went, hey, by any chance, is this you? That's the first time I ever spoke to you. And it was because of people who said, you know, maybe it's this guy. And then I spoke to you and I went, geez, OK, look at this guy. Look at the shots that this guy has. What, what's the story here? And I was intrigued, you know, where you were. And I was I got to chatting to you and we kind of shared common interests. And that's it. Photography is the common interest. And that's what I love about photography, because you meet so many different people, regardless of your style of photography. I mean, you know, when I first met you, I said, OK, landscape photographer. But I quickly realized that you weren't just a landscape photographer, you were a landscape photographer, but you also added another level to that. So, like, let me ask you a question. You know, what, what would you consider as your style of photography? Um, and have you got a favorite? My style of photography would be kind of, I mean, look, as I said, I, I'll be honest. I mean, like, I love my, I love my color, but I don't, I, and I, I mean, I go back and look at my, I've actually purposely left, um, I know this is outside the question, but, I purposely left all of my old shots on Instagram in both my modeling portfolio and in my in landscape portfolio from the simple reason of being able to go back and look at actually where I started. I still actually have that first post that I actually did back in whatever it was, 2009 or 2008, whenever it was that I first joined Instagram. Um, and I, I've left it there as a mark as to where I've come from on, on both, on both, both my accounts. Um, but I mean, my style. I mean, as I said, I love color. I love, I love to find 
Um, I love leading lines. I love to, you know, get into, you know, have my basic, I mean, I mean, this might be cliche, but my favorite thing is when I take a photograph, especially my model stuff, I love it to tell a story. Mm-hmm. I love it to be able to be seen as when you look at the image, you can kind of go, oh yeah, I could see that. You know, like you could see a girl sitting on a, on a, you know, on a, on a, a, a rug or a carpet or, or a towel in the middle of a forest and, you know, or you could, you could see, you know, I, I love the, the image to actually kind of reach out to you and, and give you, you know, and tell you exactly what's going on in the, in the moment. And that's, and even I like to try to do that in, in you know, my landscape photography. A lot of people like that, that simple um, kind of clear early morning look. Whereas I love to take a shot like one that I took in Black Valley on Monday. Um, I love to get the clouds and the moodiness and, the, and you know the reflection in the water and and you know you could just sort of picture it being this beautiful moment that you know you can only capture that once you'll never be able to capture that again it's a moment caught in time and that's what I love to do more so than anything nobody can go down to the Black Valley and catch the exact same photograph that I took and that is one thing that we all try to do and certain photographers get a little bit weird about it but you know if if we I I, I always look at it as somebody's trying to if somebody tries to copy you it's a form of flattery i know it annoys some people but if i see a shot of a certain area whatever i mean i would not try to go out of my way but if i was ever in the area i would say yeah i would love to get that shot but i would like to try and put my own spin on it but see an awful lot of the times you can never get that moment even during lockdown the first lockdown last april um i remember getting a shot down henry street in Kinmare and looking straight down at the cathedral and there was nobody around the only thing that was in that photograph was a green headlight it was the green traffic light traffic there light. wasn't a single soul a single car anywhere and it was a beautiful moment and it's a moment that you'll probably never get again and that's the type of thing i love to do i mean as i said from a style point of view i love color but i like it to be real color a natural color um i like um moodiness um and i and i do tend to kind of with a lot of the modeling stuff not dark style wise but dark from a color point of view i just like i like that kind of dark moody look um in a lot of the photographs that i try to do and i try to mix the two together as well as that if i can yeah and you know that's kind of what i was alluding to because like you combine landscape with model photography so you put a model in the landscape but you know it's something that is kind of creates a story as you say it's a cohesive look yeah. And some of the locations that you would take a photograph in, you're not going to put a model there wearing the clothes that don't match, let's just say. Mm. So there's a connection in relation to it. And you want to kind of create an enchanted look in some of the ones. And you've got some fantastic photographs that I've seen over the years. But as you say, it's about creating that moment and that creating that once in a lifetime image. But it all has to come together. I mean, you know, you go to a waterfall, and you're not going to put a woman in a space suit, in a space suit in the middle of a waterfall. It's not going to work, but you're going to have flowing clothes and such like that which will complement the scene and will create the connection between the model and the landscape and i think that's what i like in relation to your style because i can see an image that's taken and i know immediately that it's you that has taken that image lots of people out there take landscape photographs myself included there's many other people out there that just do model shoots but not in the landscape it might be in a studio or what controlled lighting Mm. but when you're in the landscape and you have to take these photographs you have a number of different things. So you obviously must like challenging yourself because you're trying to deal with the natural light. You're trying to deal with the elements that are there. You're also trying to direct a model. You're also trying to deal in relation to how the light's going to fall on her for her to connect into the whole image itself. So tell me, how would you set up a typical model shoot? Well, I'll be honest with you. I try to do any shoot that I do. I will not 
I, it is, as I said, it's a personal preference. I know certain people love it. Some people hate it. I don't, like as I said, for me personally, I will not use any unnatural light unless it's absolutely imperative. And if I do use unnatural light or, or, or kind of fake light, lighting, as I would say, or mm -hmm. box, whatever you want to call it, um, I, I have two little halogen um, LED lights that I would use that I would use that are right and left to, to kind of get in that natural light if I need to block in shadows, especially if the light has gone very low or if I'm in a really kind of bad, badly lit area, I will bring those lights in only if I have to. Um, and as I said, be honest, I would say I probably use those lights. Oh, I, if I, I couldn't count on two hands how often I've used those two lights in, 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 wow. in 10 years. Yeah. So, Basically yeah. speaking, what I will do is I will go out. I will look for a moment. I like a lot of the models. When when we're we're talking about doing a shoot, they'll ask me, "What's your plan?" And I'm kind of going, you know, this might be very big. I'm sorry if it is, and if it's not something you want to do, I completely understand. I would literally kind of drive up to Cork or Kerry or wherever it would be, Dublin even, or you know, wherever I'm meeting the person, and say, "Look, let's sit into the van or the car or whatever it is, and we're going to go for a drive and." I've often gone down through Middleton, down through Rocky Bay and down to Carrigaline and down to um, Crosshaven and down into Kinsale Old Head. Actually, we met you down there at Old Head Kinsale a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever it was, two years mm -hmm. ago with, with a model, actually. Um, and what we'll do is we'll follow the light. I mean, that's that's usually what I love to do. I mean, we'll follow the sun. We'll follow where the sun is, where the sunlight's going to be, what direction it's coming from. And and I'll be honest, all I bring with me in my bag, as I said, I have my my um, my uh, sixteen to thirty five millimeter Canon, and I've got my or my Canon lens, and I've got my seventy to two hundred, and I use both of those, um, and that's all I have. Those I have those two in my bag, my two cameras in the bag, and my two lights in the bag, and that's about it. And I will go out and I will basically try and and, and capture the light, capture the natural mood. Like even yesterday, I mean, as I said, mm. getting into the story that I mentioned earlier, um, yesterday, um, four o'clock, I had organized, I was going to leave here. I got staff to come in to cover for me, and I contacted the model. We were talking to myself, the model from Limerick. We were going to meet in Ballybunion, and sun was split in the rocks. It was 27 degrees here. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. She was leaving Limerick. Same thing, 27 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. I'm going out beyond Tralee. Of the N69 heading towards the stall, and next thing, as I'm heading up the mountains, I can see this fog coming in off the water. And I went, "You've got to be shitting mm -hmm. me!" I said, "You have got to be kidding me!" I mean, it's an hour and forty minutes this time of the year to Ballyhigh or to to Ballybunion from here, and I get to within five miles of Ballybunion, and it's pure fog, pure cloud everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, I am so pissed at this stage. I said, what the hell? I texted, I texted the model and she was coming from Limerick and she says, I said, I said, have you seen the weather? And she goes, I know it's so hot, isn't it? She said something like that to me back in the text. And I went, no, I'm in Ballybunion at the moment, I said, and there is not one ounce of sunshine. I said, it's pure fog. And she said, no. Yeah, and they were still 15 <laughs> minutes out. She gets there and literally in tears. We had to climb down the cliff faces, you know, in Nuns Beach and Valley, in, in Valley Hike. I'm actually saying Valley Hike, sorry. In Ballybunion. And, Ballybunion. Um, oh, my God. But actually, be honest with you, we pulled off some phenomenal shots with the fog coming through the archway and stuff. But it was really some really, really nice stuff to come. But you know, as I said, I, I literally will work with whatever I have. I mean, as I said, again, 
Model's going to be, what do you want clothes wise? Look, just throw whatever you want to throw into the bag. And I, there again, sometimes that's wrong because it gives the bad impression. But, you know, I love to be, as you said, I love to be challenged. I love to be able to sort of say, okay, we've got this dress, this shorts, these pair of shoes, this top to work with. Let's go. And we'll find a field or we'll find a forest or we'll find a path or we'll find a beach or, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, like even the time we met you back in, in Old Head, you know, we were driving around and we found that, that, um, that uh, hay field and with all the, the hay field, yeah. hay, the hay field the bales. cut and all of the, you know, all the rounded bales of, of hay were there in the, in the ground. The, the sun was setting off across the, off across Garrettstown Beach and it just made for some really, really beautiful photographs. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes mm. you don't. But, you know, I, I think some of the foggy shots that we got yesterday were probably better than any sun shots we could have probably gotten because they, it could have been too harsh. The lighting could have been, might not have been right. You just never know. And they were unique. I mean, not many people would go there in those conditions. They would have turned around. But you said, no, I'm just going to go do that. I mean, you know, as I've said to you and I've said a number of times before, I don't believe that bad conditions exist in landscape photography. There's always a shot. It may not be a banger, but there's always going to be a shot. But you add in that element of the human into a scene with the fog, with the arch in the background. I can just imagine in my own mind what it's going to look like. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to, to look like once you get those edited. They should be nice. Yeah, and you mentioned you know, a moment ago as well about you will not use artificial light. You only want to use, you know, natural light. So, I mean, one of the questions I had for you was that would you prefer to shoot indoor or outdoor? Now, I know the answer is outdoor, but why? Why do you prefer and why will you refuse to use artificial light? What is it about shooting outdoor in the landscape that has such a draw for you? Well, I mean, as I said, I love being outside and I love, you know, kind of traveling around. And I, as I said, again, it goes to meeting new people. It goes to seeing new locations. It goes to being able to work with what you've got around you. And as I said, a lot of people want to put a lot of time and effort into this, which I do. I mean, I, in fairness, I do. I mean, when I plan a shoot, I do not go into it half-assed and just basically, you know, do whatever. We have a plan. We have a backup plan and we have a third plan. And basically, we go with that. But I mean, mm -hmm. what I love about working outside over inside as i said don't get me wrong i love working inside if you can get the right light coming through the windows if you have the right setting inside the window uh -huh. yes. like that i love doing stuff like that working with shadows and things like that so you know from that aspect of things i i would not say i um i would love um outdoor more than indoor it's just that with my style that i like to do the outdoor just works better for me from a natural light point of view but i've i think i've I've gotten some really, really good shots of indoor stuff, um, well, more so actually in America because they said a lot of your natural light and the sunlight coming through, you know, kind of the, the blinded windows and stuff like that. I mean, you can get some really interesting, neat shots that play with shadows and stuff. But some people don't like, I mean, there again, some people, some models do not like the fact that I won't use natural light because shadows can be very, can be, can be very unforgiving to certain people because mm -hmm. if you don't mm -hmm. get, if you don't get the shot right those shadows can can add you know kind of bumps and hollows and stuff like that, that that a lot of people don't like so i mean as i said i know my style wouldn't be for everybody and i mean i know i'm no expert i mean i'm basically still learning i would still consider myself learning even though i've been doing it for the last sort of the the, the, the fashion and the, the model photography end of it i've only been doing properly for the last sort of five or six years um before that it was purely all landscape it was just something that i wanted to get into and i'd always had a love for of being able to to pose somebody in a position like the cliffs of moher or you know old hedekin sale or uh, you know 
certain you know waterfalls in, in Cork and Kerry and, and things like that. Just I just love to work that that whole to give it that human aspect as you said earlier. Um, you know that, that's that's my thing more so than anything. It's just uh, is outdoors is great. But the reason why I don't like natural lighting is unnatural lighting um, is I remember years ago seeing a shot of a sunset. Um, and it wasn't here, it was actually in America. And uh, the girl was perfectly composed, laying on the beach, not a shadow, everything looked wonderful and beautiful. And it was this gorgeous sunset behind her. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, if the light's coming from behind her and she's there perfectly exposed like this, and I knew I knew what it was, but I just said it looks so fake. Mm -hmm. It's just the mm -hmm. thing to me, it's just my personal preference. It just looks fake to me that if the lighting is coming from behind, and you're going to have a perfectly exposed um, model in front of you laying on the beach. And it was, don't get me wrong, it was a nice shot. But to me, it just didn't look natural and didn't look right. And from that moment on, I just kind of said, you know what? I'm going to just stick with the natural light and do what I want to do. And as I said, it is more of a hobby more so than anything else outside of you know, doing my own thing. An expensive hobby. A <laughs> very expensive hobby, hobby as yes, we say. A very expensive hobby, yes. But you know, you know what? Like you, you mentioned a couple of things there, Robert. Right? I think which is quite interesting because, you know, Ireland in one way because we got so many clouds, you have a natural light box that's outside the windows of every place all the time. But the light intensity is obviously going to be diminished when you look at, you know, bright light coming in, and you got the blinds. You say you can cast off some lovely shadows internally, and you can create some great, um, I suppose, texture and also dynamicness to the photo, but also to the model in the place that they are. But mm -hmm. You know, you go down to Ballybunion and you're going taking the photograph there in the fog and such like that, right? Like, that's a seaside location. And a seaside location is somewhere, I think, that can lend itself to certain types of photos. And you have, and, you know, I suppose I want to ask you the next question on that is, you know, you've worked with brands before that have asked you to do something specifically with a product for them in a certain location within Ireland. Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit about that and the opportunity that you had there and how did you approach that? Well, I mean, I had done, I had, was doing, um, I, I, I started doing, when I was getting into the model end of it um, and the, the photography end of it, from that point of view, I, I started doing a couple of the wedding fairs. I had uh, met a couple of models that had said that if you, you know, if you kind of shoot the wedding fairs, you can meet some of the, the wedding dress companies and stuff like that and some of the accessories, the things like that that go into it. Um, and then you can get into wedding photography and stuff. And I just found the wedding photography end of it. Um, to me, the wedding photography end of it just did, it was, you'd have to be perfect 90% of the time to be a wedding photographer. And and I mean, as I said, I'm not saying my ratio isn't bad, but mm -hmm. you have to hit that moment right when they're coming down the aisle. You have to hit that moment right when they're coming out the, coming out the church. You have to hit that moment right for the first dance. And a lot of the times, you know, you just can't. I, I found, I did two, I did a couple of weddings with, with one or two photographers that asked me to help them out. And I enjoyed them immensely. But I found that people got in the way, drink gets in the way. It, it, it's a, it, it can be a very, very, well, I suppose not anymore now, pre or post COVID, but uh, before COVID, I mean, as I said, it could have been, it was a very messy experience. So just to make a long story short, basically Diamond Bridal, uh, I had done a few shots for them uh, at a wedding fair in, in a Shannon. And then they said, would you mind taking a few dresses to photograph here, there and there? And I said, sure. And I did a few bit for Sue Pierce Couture in in in, um, in Cork, and a bit for Bella Blue Bella Blue Vintage in Cork. And then I got asked by an American company to do some swimwear, and they wanted to do stuff a 
along the Crystal Moher. They wanted to do stuff, um, you know, kind of along the, the jagged Irish coastlines as you have here. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. that's basically where it all happened. And then, as I said, now I've got another company now in, in Belgium now at the moment that's awesome. My work on Instagram, and they want me to do some of their um, photo or some of their stuff that they do in uh, forests, um, national parks, stuff like that. So, you know, you get you get a few right. little jobs like that, which are which are quite nice, and they and you feel very rewarded by the whole thing. So, I mean, I I like where it's going. It's it's a little bit too slow for me, and. If I had my way, I mean, as I said, if I was to choose in the morning between furniture business and photography, I mean, I'd choose photography, you know, every single day and <laughs> twice on Sunday. But unfortunately, you're just not going to be able to make a living. I was sorry, you can, but I would still be afraid to kind of jump off that that ship that I'm on at the moment to invest my life fully in photography. Mm, and, you know, it's interesting you say it there that you get the opportunities by sharing your work which kind of brings it full circle from the whole social media point of view, because the first photograph you took, you put up on Instagram and okay, this could be interesting. And now you get the opportunities by people seeing your work and the style of photography that you've been able to create to want to be able to see their brand. So, you know, the power in social media, I think, is really, really strong. So what we'll actually do, Robert, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back. And I want to ask you more about Insta Ireland because that really demonstrates the power of social media. So, yeah, we'll be right back after this. No bother. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Robert, like I said before the break here, I really want to talk about Instagram and social media. And it has been a big, big part from your photography. But one of the other areas that you have been involved in and you're a co-founder of is the highly successful Insta Ireland. So tell us what it is and how did all this get started? Well, Insta Ireland basically started out in the, in the infancy of, um, of Instagram, uh, basically speaking, when you used to have the old favorites uh the, the favorites page that everybody used to strive to get to um you, mm-hmm. you try and take one of these memorable images that would get liked by so many people and then would get out in the, the top 10 favorites page and then would balloon out across the world and you know that's basically how um an awful lot of these these sort of feature sites basically started up um you had your insta you know uh, actually i did to america as well um, Insta Ireland. Insta, you had Insta America as well. Insta America, yeah, wow. but I, it's kind of become defunct because they said I, I still have it, but I don't usually use it that often anymore. And uh, Insta International was basically to to highlight the beauty of the whole planet, to highlight the beauty of America being from my being my home, and uh, highlighting Ireland's being obviously living here. Um, and when the at the beginning, when it was just iPhone shots, as they say. Um, you had people that would would sort of feature would want their work featured. Oh, can you know? Can we get a shout out? And they'd want to get mentioned, and they'd want to get more followers. And you know, it's it's how the whole thing kind of grew at the very beginning. So uh, Sergio, um, who was a friend of mine in Ireland, or in, in Killarney, who's from um, uh, from Estonia, um, and myself, he he started up the Insiders. He took me on as a moderator, and then the two of us basically kind of ran it together, and we kind of 
formed it and made it into and then there was there was Stuart Donaldson and there was uh, Adrian Heaty and there was um a, 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 oh god I can't think Aidan Cochran in Galway and now Susan um, um Battersley that's in uh, Dublin so as I said yeah between all of us we were kind of off and on doing featuring what we thought were beautiful photographs and it kind of just blossomed and, and it grew and it grew and it grew and I mean, even we were even we were bigger than tourism Ireland and stuff like that before they even started. Wow. Um, but they were all very late to the to the party. But of course, when you're when you're when you're government sanctioned and government funded, you know you can you can buy your way in and buy your way up the ladder when it comes to those type of things. But yeah, I mean, as I said, it's still a good tag. I myself, Sergio, basically is is has walked away from photography completely and and is is turned himself to work because. We never wanted the, the biggest thing that we ever wanted to do is we never wanted to monetize it, and I think that's what we mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have. We should have probably no, I no, I sorry, we shouldn't have because I had always basically said, no, we're not going to monetize this. This is to feature local photographers that are here in Ireland and to feature people that have come here on vacation and show them what they can, you know, what they can achieve, where they can go, help them out in any way we could. And we we had. Oh, I mean, we used to get 25, 30 messages a day. If we give you, you know, 500, would you sponsor this or would you, or not sponsor this? Would you show this on your story? Would you show this on your, on your page? And I just said, no. I mean, the ESB approached us, you know, years ago, or like, sorry, Electric Ireland approached us a couple of years ago and asked us to um, plug this competition that they were going doing. And they wanted to give us an, exor well, no, I shouldn't say an exorbitant amount of money, but you know, it was a nice amount of money to be split between four people that were the mods of the, of the team. And um, we kind of said, no, we kind of, we made a concerted effort that said this was going to be, we were not going to make this a commercial um, enterprise. We were not going to, um, you know, kind of riddle our feed and our stories with, with advertisements and stuff like that. We wanted it to just be pure Irish photography and Irish um, and people that were here on their vacation. And, as I said, I love it for the fact that we never did do that. Um, some people have sold out to the, to the likes of the, the big corporations and stuff like that. But I, I just think, you know, we, were, we, we did the right thing. You know, in hindsight, I, st I still think we did the right thing. And I still think it's a pure, um, very good quality Irish feature of, of, what, of, of what the country has to offer from a photography point of view. And you're sticking to your core. You're sticking to what it was set up for in the first place, which is to promote Ireland, the beauty of Ireland, to also help out photographers, but also show people what they could expect. So I fully agree with the non-monetization because it keeps it real. Yeah. It keeps it honest. It keeps it true. There's no hidden agenda. There's no hidden alternative that somebody wants to show this image, whatever it may be, in a story for a split second, and here's X amount of dollars or euros or whatever. Like That, to me, I think is true to the core of why it's created so hats off in relation to it but you mentioned something here is about you know um sharing an image and all of a sudden it gets picked up and it's shared internationally and such like that so like right now how many uh followers are on the insta instagram ireland page Insta ireland page has about i think it's 89 nearly ninety thousand. the last i checked wow um so as wow. I said, i'm actually just checking it out here now while we're actually um on the the podcast um Inst Ireland has at this very moment in time. God Almighty, I can't even see where I am now anymore. Um, uh, yeah, but nearly, nearly eighty-seven thousand. Exactly. Wow. 80... 
Yeah, eighty six point eight thousand. When did it start? Um, we started it in two thousand and uh, no, two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. Wow. Okay, so yeah. really, really early adopters. And how fast did it grow? Like, was it a slow burner at the beginning, and then all of a sudden it took off, or yeah. was it just constantly on a growth? Well, actually, Sergio at the time when we created in Ireland and the thing he had a, he had another page called Sunset Madness, which was where everybody that would want to get featured on a sun of a sunset would get featured. That's actually how myself and Sergio met. Uh, was from that tag. Okay. Um, Sunset Madness, I think at the time would have had about thirty four or thirty five thousand followers at the time, which was massive. I mean, it was one of the biggest tags on instagram i mean it was huge even instagram were featuring mm -hmm. stuff or were, were showing stuff that we were showing um and uh the the Ireland thing came into it because it was actually ig ireland at the time because sergio had it he was a member of the ig team and they were but they were becoming very big for their boots and as i said that that's again where the infancy of social media became very bully i i i think in a way has become very um I don't know, bully is probably not the word I want to use, but it became, you know, you get these groups of people together and they would basically write, they would control everything that would go on. Clicky. Yeah, they would get very clicky and, and very controllable about what you could and couldn't do and you couldn't be members of other pages. And Instagram just started getting really, really messy um, around then because certain tags started to take off and certain pages started to take off and become big. And these ones that were big then thought they were, you know, they thought they were the hot shit, basically speaking. And Talk to the bee's knees in the, yeah, exactly. the cat's pajamas. Yeah. And, and it just, it, as I said, Sergio had walked away from IG Ireland. And then, as I said, at that time, um, it was when they created Insta Ireland um, and the, uh, with the Sunset Madness. And like, as I said, it was, it was really good. But it, it, it was a very slow process. But, you know, it, it's all about, back then especially, before Instagram started changing algorithms and all this type of thing and changing the content that you did see and who you would see and all that kind of thing. Um, back then, I mean, if you tagged right and you tagged at the right time and you did it at the right time, you could, you could get a lot of winners. And, you know, basically speaking, I think one night we were, we were using the same group of tags that we still use today. Um, and we hit it at the right time. One, two nights at around about that 11, 12 o'clock. I always said, to, as I said, this is my own opinion. I, there's no scientific fact, especially not anymore anyway. Um, if you always hit around 11 or 12 o'clock in Ireland, you got the people before they went to bed. You got the people in America that were finishing work. And a lot of the demographic of the Ireland page was some continental Europeans, but it was mostly Irish, English, and a lot of Americans um, who had a fondness and a, and a, and a, you know, a love for Ireland. Um, and yes. we just found that that 11, 12 o'clock window was always a great time to post. And what happened was, is after continuously posting and continuously tagging and, and, you know, just changing it up a little bit and, and trying to feature more and more people, um, it became, um, it became very, very popular. And, you know, we started getting sort of seven, eight, 900 likes, and then it went up to a thousand and then it went up to 2000 and 3000 and it continued to grow. Um, and as I said, it, it's, you know, as I said, I, I'm still very proud of, I mean, I, I must say Susan's done a great job while we've been, well, especially me, because with my hiatus, yeah, with my hiatus, because my family, my, because of my family issues, my father being ill in America and stuff like that, I just haven't been able to really put an awful lot of time into it. And then, as I said, I've been so busy myself in my own 
business that I just haven't had an awful lot of free time to be able to do it. And I mean, as I said, my heart, you know, I, I, I give many thanks to Susan for, for doing it since, I think, is it since February? I think since, I think any one of the two of us have, have given any really kind of insight into it because just, just the time hasn't been there. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned there as well, I suppose, you wrote different things that would happen along the way and such like that and, you know, different achievements that you would have done. I mean, when you set it up, you know, did you think that you'd reach 10,000? Did you think you'd reach 30? Did you think you'd reach 50? Did you think that you'd reach right now where you are at the 87? So you know, I'm sure there must have been kind of many memorable moments about it um, in through the whole journey of Vince Ireland. But is there has there been the most memorable thing so far? Um, not, I mean, not really. I mean, I think, but from, from a personal point of view, I mean, um, to be featured on wonderful places, like I was, I mean, like you got to remember wonderful places years ago was followed by like one and a half million people back in hmm. 2011. <laughs> and when they said, that's one of the things that actually that kind of shot my, my uh, followers up was the fact that I had a shot of Rena Gross, the, as I brought you down there to the tunnels. I had a yes. shot of Rena Gross yep. that was, was featured by them, you know, many years ago. And I mean, it went around. It, it's now, it's, if you look on, if you look on um, Google or um, any kind of search engine on the internet and you type in the 10, what is it, the 10, the top 10 paths in the world you have to walk and see before you die, my image mm -hmm. is in that top 10. Just yes. because of being featured in wonderful places all those years ago. And, like as I said, it's the one thing for me that that and that image has been bought a couple of times, has been stolen by a number of people, has been, you know, has made its way around the world. And I mean, like as I said again, you know, a lot of people do get very pissed off about people stealing. I mean, especially stealing images. I would get pissed off about that and using them as their own. But you know, if somebody is doing it, I mean, deep down inside, you have to kind of think to it. Well, you know, it's it is a form of flattery as well, because mm -hmm. they're they're they, you know. They couldn't do what you did, and they're trying to copy it. I know it's not the right thing to do, but you know, it, there is. If you want to get, there's no sense in losing sleep over it because you see nowadays it's so difficult to, to go and get your image back anyway. Look, I mean, you can you can cry and moan and and and, and piss and, and 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 pout about it. It's not going to make any damn bit of difference. You put your image up on on the internet, it's no longer yours. That's right. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation, yeah. you know. And I mean, anybody out there, I, I often, I, I went through it myself, you know, I'd put my signature or whatever, or a big logo on a, on a, they can get rid of that if they really wanted to in the space of four seconds. So that's what's the thing. point in even putting that up there, yeah. you know? Um, but like, you know, you mentioned there about getting you know, one image featured and all of a sudden it goes stratospheric, stratospheric. And then you look at the hub as in insert and hub, now sharing an image with a photographer, which has been picked up by other areas again, which is now sharing that even to even further people. So the reach there, I think, must have been exponential at one point. I would yeah. think, yeah, yeah, you always well, it is. I mean, as I said, it's still. I mean, you're still reaching between, you know, sort of fifteen to three thousand, which I think is still pretty much is it's still is still very good in today's standards because I mean, there again with the Instagram algorithms you don't get seen by everybody that you're supposed to get seen by. You don't get seen by the demographic mm -hmm. you're supposed to get seen by. And I mean, it, it is it is very difficult nowadays because unless you're Beyonce or Jay-Z or something like that, you're not going to get into the echelon of the upper, of the upper, you know, or if you're a, a fitness a guru or, a you know, somebody like that, yes, you're going to get up there into the thousands and the thousands and the thousands. But 
you know, for the general general everyday Joe Soap, I mean, if you get between 150 to 200 likes, you're doing very well. If you do four to five, you're doing extraordinary. If you do seven to thousand, you're doing very, very, very well. Um, to be able mm-hmm. to go over the thousand mark and to get up into the multi thousands, I still think is very good at this day and age because, um, you know, of of the way that the whole thing is set up and and it's set up for big business, it's set up for the big celebrities and things like that. But getting back to your point as well as that about the Instagram thing, you know what? One of the biggest things I find most gratifying about um, featuring stuff on Instagram is the fact of when you feature that photograph. I mean, I know what it was like for me in 2009. If I got a photograph featured on a hub, you would be kind of like, Correct. oh, yes, that is just awesome. I mean, I've been recognized. I've been, you know, by my peers, stuff like that. But I mean, I I love to be able to post that image of somebody that has maybe only a thousand followers and might get about 60 to 150 likes and you give them an image, you put an image of theirs, which is, which is exceptionally good. And you put it up there on the Instagram page. And next thing, all of a sudden, you know, that, that image gets between, you know, 15 to 3000 likes and they probably gain 15, 20 followers out of it, or, you know, and they get a little bit more insight and stuff like that. And it gives them and, it, and as I said, for me, it, I'm only going off my own personal experience. When I, when something like that happened, I would go back out next week and I would try to do better. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's yeah, so, yeah. It, it actually a great motivation. Me, it drove me on and gave me motivation to go out and do better every time. And I mean, I think that's the one thing that I think is great about Instagram is that it actually does. And as I said, look, we get an awful lot of people that moan and shake and, and moan and, and, and give out that we don't feature this and we don't feature that. Look, You've got to realize, and as I said, I say this with everybody with, with, you know, you have to tag the image. If you don't tag the image and you're on private, we cannot see the image in the feed. And we go through the feed most nights and we go through it and we pick out a couple of images and we try to do it. The only bit of advice I can give to somebody, as I said, is you keep doing what you can do. I mean, eventually you will get noticed, but you've got to tag and you can't be private. Because if you're going to do, if if you're both of those things, we can't see it. We will not see it in our mm-hmm. feed. And I say that, and I know that this is old news because this has been going on for years. But it's just like, as I said, we get, oh, well, you never you never feature this and this is a lovely image and stuff like that. And it is. But sending it to us through the email or sending it through us through a direct message is not going to get you featured. You've got to flip and tag it like everybody else. And that's the way it's always worked. And that's the way it's the easiest and fairest way to do it. You know, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. But you know what, you're dead right because you know it's it's down to either being having the, the visibility to see the image, not only for ye, but also for others as well. Because like how important are tags on images now in Instagram? I know there's a big, big difference now versus when you first started in Ireland in relation to how important tags were. Why? Because there wasn't as many. So something is going to stand out a lot easier and something more niche in a certain area is going to be seen. Like, for example, Milky Way photography. Mm-hmm. Okay, there might have been X amount onto it, but the more and more people that do that, the more and more people use a tag Milky Way photography, the more that the images are tagged to that, the lesser chance it is is going to be seen. So, how important are tags in the current sphere of Instagram right now? Well, you see, tags need to be applied to an image straight away. I see an awful lot of people, which even in my model in the model photography, because I get tagged in if they're tagging me in an image, and the next thing they go and change the tags, and a week later. It doesn't matter anymore. See, when Instagram started up, if you posted an image now, say, right, and you said, oh, shit, I forgot to put the tags on it, and 20 minutes later, you put the tags on it. When you put the tags on, 
it would fall into like if you tagged model photography it, mm-hmm. it would fall into the model photography at the time you posted at the time you sent it in at the time you tagged the image which was way way back down. which was way back yeah. so so basically speaking if you tag you put the image up on instagram now and 20 minutes later you went oh shit forgot to do my tag and then next thing you go and tag it it would fall in right there so if you went to model photography you went to hashtag model photography you'd see the image that you just posted there as long as it wasn't an image that had like as long as it wasn't a tag that had 45 million images on it already and was just going to get basically wiped down the board before you even got a chance to see it but instagram changed mm-hmm. all that about i think it was four or five years ago that if you once you put the tags on no matter when you put the tags on it was going to go in at the time you posted the image so if you forgot mm-hmm. to post your mm-hmm. image if you forgot to put your tags on the time you posted the image 20 minutes ago your images are then going to get thrown into the time slot that your image was was posted at not the image, not the time that you did the, the, the tags. And so the, nobody would see the tags. No, so nobody's going to see the tag if you don't do it after 20. If you do it after 20 minutes, nobody's going to see it, unless it's a small tag. And if somebody's searching for the tag, you might be on whatever oh, you 20 or 30 page. images down on there. Like, I mean, I remember just as a, just a pure, just uh, for, for, for a looking point of view, I remember I tagged Wonderful Places one day, and I went in, I literally tagged them the minute I posted the image, went into the Wonderful Places tag, and I was nine scrolls down on the feed within the space Already. of 25, 30 seconds. Wow. So, wow. I mean, as I said, like, and that was then. I mean, if you did it now and you posted something on Wonderful Places and you yeah, decided, yeah. you know, in this six months' time, you know, I, actually that image is really nice. I'm going to tag Wonderful Places. That tag is going to fall back into the six months before from where you posted it, not in today's date. People don't realize that. And they go That's retagging stuff, and it doesn't matter unless they're small tags. Mm-hmm. Unless there's mm. small tags. Unless there's something unique in relation to yeah. it that it's not going to have a, a plethora of other ones that are tagged in the same way. As I said earlier, not to be the dead horse over, Instagram have made it very, very, very difficult for anybody to succeed in becoming world famous um, anymore because it just it just gets it's just it just make it too hard. I don't, having said that, some people can get lucky. You tag in the right time in the right place, the right here, right there. You know, you can get lucky. You can catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, I've I've seen it on an image. It's very, very glitchy in the last, especially the last sort of six to twelve months during COVID. Because I mean, I posted a picture of a boat. I remember in lockdown last year in April, and within the space of three, four hours, I was at like nine hundred likes, and then I went over into fourteen, fifteen hundred likes, and then the following day, nice. I posted at the exact same time, used the exact same tags, and I got four hundred again. And then the following day, mm-hmm. I posted another one, and I got a thousand. And then the t- two days later, I got nine hundred. And then three days later, I got four hundred. And it just stayed at around. I mean, I, I've always stayed at around that kind of five to seven, eight hundred. But I, I, I've, I refused to. The one thing that didn't always annoyed me in Instagram, and again, you know, it might piss some people off to say it. People that would have twenty five thousand followers, and they were getting like a hundred likes in a photograph. Yeah, all bots. Yeah, yeah. I refuse to yeah. let my feed be taken up by. I mean, because I used to always go in every week and I would just blow at anything that I thought wasn't real. You know what I mean? I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go above. I wasn't going to be one of those people that was going to have above like ten thousand. I mean, I could have had twenty odd, thirty thousand likes, thirty thousand followers by now if I didn't purge half of what I did. I've always kept it at around about nine thousand, and I'm still only getting. You know, between five to a thousand, I don't even get a thousand that often, but I mean, between five to a thousand likes. And I mean, as I said, 
that's basically where it, I draw the line on it. I mean, I just will not. Well, you you gave me that advice one time and I went, right, so, and I went off in and I started deleting loads of followers. And before I realized it, I deleted 300 followers and I went, what are you doing, man? You're deleting, you, you, it's not a case that you've got 100,000. I think at the time I had something like 800 followers or 900 followers and I deleted 300 of them on your advice and immediately I had regret and I think the reason I had regret is because if you think about social media, social media posts or images are there because it's feeding an endorphin that everybody creates, which, which is some sort of recognition, yeah. some sort of a like, some sort of a well done. It's something that's not new to social media, by the way. It's been there outside of social media all our lives. Since we were kids, you'd do something and you'd ask your parent, did I do a good job? Why? Because you're craving that recognition. Now it's gone into the social media world and it's instant and it's instant gratification. And you put that image up and the advice you've given there, you know, about changing the tags and stuff like that. You put that image up and it doesn't go well. And all of a sudden, then you put the tags up and it still doesn't go well. That's when I think can start affecting people's heads because they get so ingrained in the hunger for what Instagram can give them, that little notification. And that notification, by the way, is not something which is unique again to anything. It's innately built into us because we see a message. What is it? What is it? What is it? Who is it? Who is it? And you either are a person that craves that and you keep all of your notifications clear down to zero, or you're somebody who goes, I don't care. I just get to it whenever I want to get it. And that's why your notifications might be up to 60 or 70 or 80. And I think that's the interesting thing when we look at how social media has kind of evolved because people are... They're, like I say, they're craving that, but it's like as if it's an addiction. You know, you put the image up and it's constantly, how many likes mine after five minutes? How many likes mine after 10 minutes? How many, this one isn't performing as well. I think I better go in and change. But why? I mean, you know, you're taking the photograph for the love of taking the photograph. You're not taking the photograph for Instagram. Or if you are taking the photograph for Instagram to crave all that attention, then maybe photography isn't your passion. Your passion is the addiction to those likes. And I think that's where... Instagram has really, really kind of changed people. Facebook as well to a certain extent, but Instagram mainly because it's images. Fa like Facebook is more gives you political messages and everything else that you don't even want to see, but Instagram is purely images, and I think that's where the delineation comes between it. But you know, Instagram now have said that they're no longer going to be an image sharing platform; they're moving over to video. Why? Because it's the instant hit, it's the instant gratification that somebody gets from a short fifteen-second TikTok. YouTube did exactly the same thing. Instagram had done exactly the same thing with Reels because we're, an, an image is no longer giving us that endorphin release. It has to be a moving image. It has to be bright. It has to be colorful. It has to be loud. It has to break our attention. And that's something I think which people can get too addictive or addicted to. And when you start looking in relation to, say again? It's endorphins. It's, it's endorphin it release, release 100%. It releases, it releases endorphins. Like, I mean, as I said, they've done studies on this, that that mobile phone is probably yeah. the worst thing in, in, in the internet is probably, and I know it has goods and bads, but I'm just saying it is probably the worst thing that it, it's, it's, don't, it's, it's actually, I know, I don't want to get, you know, kind of off the photography topic, but it has dumbed us down so much and it is, it has made us a slave to that phone and to the internet. It has made us a slave to it because it just, it's with us 24 7 365 it, it, you know we need to get that message we need to get that like we need to get that flipping twitter that 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 tweet rehashed we need to get that that facebook picture liked by a thousand people we need to get that instagram post up under the flipping favorites board we need you know it's it's this constant craving for attention and it's this 
I mean, even I know it myself with, with model photography. You know, certain people will say, oh, well, that's doctored and that's this and that's that and whatever. You know, a lot of times you've got to do it because if you don't do it, it's not going to get the likes. And if you don't do it, it's not going to get, it's not going to, you're not going to be seen by anybody if you don't do it the proper job and you don't brush it the way it's supposed to be brushed and you don't edit it the way it's supposed to be edited. And I mean, as I said, it's the way that the world works anymore. And it's not, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm so sick of Instagram. I, I, that's why I haven't even posted on my own on my landscape page for so long because I'm just, I'm sick of it. It's become a, it's become a political platform. It's become a censorship platform. It's become a, it, it was supposed to be about photography and meeting people and interacting with people and doing what was fun as a hobby for the world to unite. And it seems to have divided us because no matter what it is politically, whether it's COVID, whether it's this, whether it's that, it just seems like it has completely divided us. And as I said, is dumbed us down. You know, we have a problem or an interview, we have a problem or, or a fight this evening or a disagreement over something. What do we do? We Google it to end the fight. Or, you know, we, we, then it mm -hmm. depends. Then we have the fight about, well, where did you get the information from? Was it from this mm -hmm. site or was it from that site or did you get it from Wikipedia or was it, you know, was it added in by something? And then you have all kind of, it just, it just snowballs into these, these arguments and i mean i like i've even fallen out with friends over stuff like this because i just think it's it's ruled too much of our lives you know a lot to be said to go out i mean as you know as, as with me you know even where we were out in the national park we had no satellite we had no television telephone signal the last night none two of us could sit there talking i had a cigarette you were watching you were taking photographs of the boat i was taking photographs of the boats we were talking the people have lost the art of talking it's simply it's text message now Yes or no? Hello, what time will you be home? What can I get? How are you? It's all small talk. The the art of having a conversation between two people like this is gone. Mm -hmm. It's completely mm -hmm. gone. I mm -hmm. mean, even from the point of view of dating apps. I mean, you look at these dating apps and the Tinders. I mean, people guys don't even know how to talk to girls anymore. It's swipe right or swipe left. And 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 there's no <laughs> like it's it's true. I mean, I, I'm saying again, I'm not trying to get off the photography into it, but when you bring up the social media aspect to me, I get very passionate about it because. As much and all as I love it, and as much and all as it's given me a, 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 um, um, an avenue to do what I really love to do as a hobby, it has still ruined what I think has been. It's ruined the, a lot of the the the, the bonding and the and the the, the, the camaraderie between people, because you know we don't need to see each other once a week or once a month anymore to do photography. Or, or to have a chat, we just talk through the phone, like you and me. You know, we send you send me a message, send you a message, yep. how's it going, blah 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 blah. What are you doing? Where are you yep. going? And you know, it's, it's you know, we don't talk for a week or two, and then, oh geez, I got a question, or you know, oh how's things? Did you get on? How'd you get on with that? Or whatever. Yeah. We don't yeah. have it. You know, you don't have a telephone conversation anymore. You don't have these heart to heart conversations anymore, and I just think that's what's killing an awful lot of society and 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 and, and the, the groups and the camarader camaraderie come camaraderie that we get from people. I, I agree with you, you know, and I think social media as well is probably a bad um, vessel for the conversation that people need to have because it's shortened and it's about, like I say, it's about those likes. It's about, you know, getting that endorphin release. But I think it's also, you mentioned a second ago, it's about a click and it's about, it's about fakeness as far as I'm concerned, you know, like the, the truth has kind of been eroded over time and the reality is setting in to become the new truth. 
And you get so many people out there that will live in the world and feel, by the way, an emotional connection to how many likes their image get will make them feel good or bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're craving that. And if they don't get that, then they're questioning why they're doing it. And that can bring them down. This is only likes. This is somebody saying, I like your image. Hang on a second. That's if somebody even saw your image in the first instance. Like we say, an image might only get 400 likes or 200 likes or 20 likes. It might only have been 20 people that saw it because Instagram didn't decide to show it to those people. That doesn't mean that you should be in a better mood or a worse mood from before you posted that image. And I think that's where we've got a bigger challenge because it is really influencing photographers to change their style, to adopt the style that they think that they have to post an image that is going to get the likes on Instagram when it's actually not an image that they want to take themselves. And photography for me, and I think for a lot of people out there, is about the image. It's not about social media. And photography has been around a lot longer and will continue to be around a lot longer than Instagram or social media in its truest form. And I think that's where people will get confused because if you are living your life vicariously to how many likes or reactions or shares you get on a photograph on Instagram, there's something wrong. There's something seriously wrong because that what happens when all that goes away? You're going to have a void in your life that you're not going to be able to fill or you're going to look for something else to fill that void. And I think that's where the biggest challenge from my side of things looking in at Instagram. And I'm part of it as well. You know, I post an image. Okay, I might go, how many likes would I get? but I'm not obsessing by it and not making me feel be good or bad about myself. Oh, I got X like one to likes today. I'm a better person. I'm the same person. It's just an image. And I think that's where the challenge is from a social media, particularly Instagram, um, because it's all about fakeness from what I can see. There's people, oh, I post an image here. Okay, 20 people. Oh, your man has posted an image here. Go in and like it. And then more people do the same in the hope that it gets onto that uh, what's the name of the page? The well, favorites page is what it is now, or favorites, favorites page, or something like that. Anyway, or you know, used to be the top ten or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, to try and get that out there, to try and beat the system, but also to try and you know fuel the fire in regards to I need to get those likes. You know, forget about the likes. You know, I, turn off from social media. And I think it's an interesting one you say about in, how Instagram has been you know so instrumental from your point of view, but also then, like I said, from the well, almost at the end of the first part of the podcast it kind of goes full circle because you now go okay this is really really good but then you see the bad side of that and like you're looking at quite a lot of stats on a regular basis i imagine quite large stats as well within relation to reach and like what how has it changed how have people changed in the last six months or a year or two years since the instagram algorithm has changed have people changed how they're posting i mean obviously people are going you never shared my image well, hang on a second i'll share your image if we feel like sharing your image. It's not a case of prerequisite, share my image for me. So I think, are people becoming that kind of a way that it's an expectation that somebody is going to share it? Because if you don't share it, then it's not Instagram, man. Well, you see, it, it gets complicated because you see, the thing is, there are some, there are some half, like, and there again, I don't want to take anything away from anybody because I mean, I know exactly, I mean, as I said, people could think my photographs are shit. I mean, I understand that. Um, when I started out, I mean, I would have taken an image and I would have looked at it and said, oh, wow, that, that, that was really, really, that was really awesome. And then I would look at it 10 years from now, or like I said, now looking at that image that I took 10 years ago, oh my God, how the hell did I post that? And you can see in the moment, you know, people will often send us DMs, like we could have up to 35 or 40 DMs a day in, in, in Ireland with, could you share this image I took? Or we're doing a fundraiser for this one and we and i we just basically and as i said again i extent is no disrespect to anybody we literally don't even look at them because they're they're blurred until we decide to look at them and we just if anybody asks us for a request to look at an image 
we literally just try to we, we don't we don't try to entertain it because we don't want mm -hmm. people getting mm -hmm. into that point. We want people to continue to use the tag because the tag from from getting away from your question for just two seconds. The tag for us for Inst Ireland is it's a um, it's a very good go to point um, for because as I said at the moment I think there's something like I think the last time I checked it was about seven or eight hundred thousand images stored wow. on the Insta Ireland tag. And I mean, as I said, from my point of view, we want people to tag to Insta Ireland because then if they click in the Insta Ireland and they go to the search button and they go, you know, hashtag Insta Ireland, they will find images of Ireland and find places to go and visit. And you know, so as I said, I think of it more mm -hmm. as a tool, more so than, than Correct, um, yeah. you know, just to sort of keep everything. So what I just like people to do is Tag the flipping in Ireland, and if you tag in Ireland, we do make a general concerted effort. Sorry, I know I, I haven't since February, but Susan has made a general concerted effort to go through the tag, and we go down seven, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen clicks to kind of go back. And as I said, everything is pretty much in chronological chronological order and dates, and um, you know we go back through it and we try to find images that are that are that you know. And a lot of these people, they send images. I mean, they see what's on the page. I mean, they should be able to see the kind of kind of genre, the level, the, the, the level that we're looking for. I mean, you can't just, yeah. and as I said, again, I don't mean that in any disrespect because I took many of the shots myself, but you're not going to, you're not going to take a shot of just the basic, you know, the sun blaring off the sun on Kenmare Bay at 9.30 tonight. And it's, it, it's a very mediocre shot and whatever. They see the, 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 the quality of what we're actually trying to feature. And I think that they need to know that it has to be that kind of quality before we're ever going to even look at it. Because as I said, if it's not something that's going to catch your eye. And I mean, I do know why people do tend to try to over-edit and oversaturate certain images for Instagram. Because I'll be honest, I mean, when I'm there on the thing and I go through the feed to look for something to post, you're going to look at the thing that catches your eye the most. And most of the times, mm -hmm. the things that are going to catch your eye are the things with a bit of color, the castle, the reflection, the sunset, the sunrise stuff like that that and it's it, it's got that point of view and that, that you know that it's it's got that that line of sight that you that you're looking for that's the type of thing that we're looking but i mean getting back to the data end of it and to the stats covid has ruined everything being genuinely honest with you oh, yeah. because, i mean as i said it doesn't matter what you post when you post it whatever i mean as i said if it's a covid based image if it's a covid based um of, of um um image or something that you see cause there's so many people the anti-vaxxers and the vaxxers, the, the anti-face masks and the, the face masks. And the, yeah, turn political message. The, 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 no there's so many different political views. And at the moment, Facebook is getting very much into this whole thing of, of, of blocking stuff, which I don't agree with. I mean, as I said, I'm very much a pro-choice person. Do whatever the hell you want, as long as it's for you to do. And just, just don't force me to do anything I don't want to do. And that's where I'll leave that. But the COVID thing, I mean, if, if Facebook deems you're supposed to be any way wrong or any way off the, the general skeptics, the general theme of things, they'll block it. And I mean, they block loads of stuff. So, I mean, when you see that, you can see that they're not just blocking COVID stuff. They're pushing, they're pushing certain celebrities and certain people into higher places to get more likes. And I just think there again, that's one of the reasons why in February, like February, sorry, first beginning of the first lockdown, I deleted and dropped out of Facebook. I left. I just said I didn't want to listen to it anymore. I was sick of listening to the moaning. I was sick of listening to, to, to people bitching and moaning. And I just had enough. And I kept Instagram. I got rid of Twitter. I got rid of Facebook. Got rid of Snapchat. Got rid of all of it. I didn't want any of it anymore. 
all of it. Got rid of everything except for Instagram because of my love of photography. But now even as I, as we come into this next lockdown, or the, sorry, as we come out of this last lockdown, I I am I am very very close to pulling out of, of of Instagram as well because it's just driving me nuts. Because as I said, every other post has got a COVID flipping warning thing across the bottom of it. Every other post is somebody bitching and moaning about this, bitching and moaning about that. And then you get a, a photograph of this this celebrity endorsing the vaccine. You get a picture of this celebrity dying from the vaccine. You get the, it's no longer about photography. No, it's not about it's photography. There's too much. There's too much advertisement. There's too much politicization, politicization in it. And I think that the good of of Instagram of what it was when it was created and what it was created for has completely and utterly been washed out of it. And Mm. Yeah. you know what and you know what look I mean we could go on about that one I think for a long long period of time I mean what I'd like to do I suppose now is just take one final break in it Robert right and I'm going to come back I've got three questions I ask every guest just because you're a friend of mine I'm not letting you off you're going to be asked the same three questions as well so we'll be right back after this no problem if you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast why not jump back and listen to the back catalog we have of episodes where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests gear reviews lots of hints and tips and above all else keeping you company while you drive or relax thanks very much for listening please consider subscribing leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast you're very welcome back to the final part of the irish photography podcast so rob Three questions. First one is I ask all the guests for a funny photography story. Oh God. What's yours? I've got, I don't have enough fun, funny photography stories. Um, getting nearly killed by a stag. Um, falling into a pile of cow shit. Um, oh, God. Trying to think. You know, I, I, one night that I got scared the crap out of myself was above in lady's view. And I was, I, 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 it was a beautiful shot looking down into Clarny and, and the, the lakes. And I, uh, I was, Supposed to be meeting two friends of mine from Tinmere that were supposed to go with me because I was going to show them a bit of astro- how to do the astrophotography. And I get up there around two o'clock, and there's this forestry off to the left, and had the tripod set up and put the camera up, had everything lined up, the whole lot. The next thing I hear this calling, basically, which is what you'd hear during the rut, um, if you've ever been to the National right. Park, that this, the stag. And um, yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. Yeah. Now I feel like it's in my ear now. Um, <laughs> Free sound effects. Yeah, exactly. No? <laughs> so next thing, all of us. Did I hear the? Did I hear the? And the thing is, it, I, I feel like it's coming for me. And it, 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 you got to remember, it's black dark. All I can see is the lights of Killarney, way off in the distance. So I just off literally said, "Well, I, and I'm standing on a cliff edge as well, by the way." So I just held onto my tripod. <laughs> I kind of cowered down and I went, "Okay, if this is it, good luck to all of you." And I just sort of stood there like this, and the actual the deer or stag. Literally just ran straight past me, hit the tripod, jumped off the flipping car. I basically nearly, I, I literally did, I think, shit myself and went back to the car <laughs> and drove back to the mayor. And I was never so scared in all my life. It was absolutely the most horrendous, horrendous thing that ever happened. Boy. So scary. Especially in the dark and you don't know where direction is. Well, you know what direction has come from. But you don't know exactly where it's going to hit. Oh, you, you, you didn't even hit know the what it was. I mean, it literally sounded like there was a flipping train coming for me. and I, But I knew there was no train there. But I, I didn't know. I knew it was coming from behind, Class. but I just said, I'm, I'm a dead man if he's coming at me with the antlers or whatever it was. Class. <laughs> you survived to tell the tale. So, yeah, thanks here, for yeah. that one. Okay. Next question. What gear do you shoot with? I have a Canon Mark, whatever, a Canon, uh, a Canon 
uh, R6. And it's shiny. It's shiny and, and brand shiny. new. Shiny. <laughs> yeah. That was my guess, as I, as you and, and Dodd used to like to call it. Um, yes. And, that, and I still do use my uh, my Canon Mark Five uh, D Mark Three um, from time to time, but that's kind of be, that's starting to grow dust because uh, I've, I've. Okay, so so you have the no, new and shiny EOS R Six, yeah. and you still have the Canon Five D Mark Three, which, as you say, is going to gather dust. So you're falling in love with the mirrorless and falling in love with the R. Oh my God! It's just it's 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 just oh. I, I, it's orgasmic. Told you. What lenses you mentioned earlier on? You have two lenses that you normally shoot with. Actually, I mentioned I, I've got a seventy to two hundred um, Canon um, f two point eight, and I have um, the sixteen to thirty five two point eight, and I have the um, thirty five to seventy in the f four. What do you use for Astro? Astro, oh, I'm sorry, geez, I forgot about that one. Jesus, I have my uh, yeah. Sakina. Um, so you're lucky you got me here to remind me, know, remind yeah, you of your gas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, my Tukina 11 <laughs> with the Tukina what? Tukina 11 to 60 millimeter. That's, 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 I love that lens for, for stars. Oh my God. Great that lens. Is, that is such a lens. Such a powerful yeah, lens. Great lens. I have exactly the same one. And always you get infinity focus as well every time. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. No messing around. Because one of the reasons yeah, why no I got the around. I got the Canon I got the Canon 16 to 35 in the F2.8 because I thought that would actually be very good for the for the astrophotography because it's the, for the glass lens and that. The Takina 11 to 16 is just far superior. And, yeah, the, and the infinity agreed. focus. Winner, winner. The infinity focus in it is just brilliant. Yeah, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Mm -hmm. Okay, third question. We have a section here, a regular section. It's called a VSP. It's, it means a very solid product. It's a product that you will not leave home without. You'd swear by it. If you could put your name to it, you'd put your name to it. So, <laughs> Robert, what is your VSP? Oh, my VSP would be uh, yeah, bug spray or midgy spray, as you call it over here, gnat spray, as we call it in America, um, baby oil. And uh, I always, always carry a spare dresser outfit in my um in my uh in my bag for model photography not for me not for me though i would i was just going to say uh, they're the me. most unusual ones i've heard now in a while mid spray fine uh, mid spray baby oil and a dress baby oil is i hope you get stopped by the cops they're my vsps honestly your honor yeah no the, my baby oil is, is always a go-to because if you have the right light and you have a little bit of baby oil to rub on the, or not me but if the ladies have a little bit of baby oil to rub onto legs arms things like that when you take the photographs, you get this nice sheen off the body, which sheen. makes it look very nice. Yeah. And the, um, the yeah. dress is always there in case I have. Um, it's very funny. Me, when I go out, I could go into the likes of TK Maxx as a dude. I'd go upstairs and look through the guy's stuff in Killarney. And then I could come downstairs and I'd actually go look through the dresses, which some people find pretty intimidating, um, especially when there's women in the dress <laughs> section. And I'm there kind of going, that would actually be nice. And I'm holding it out like this, kind of going, I could use that. I could use that. <laughs> and sometimes if they're really cheap, I might buy one. And that's actually what happens. I mean, I know it sounds off with some of your photography buddies out there. But yes, occasionally I do happen to buy the odd dress that I use for a photo shoot if I need to. Because it's just something that I, again, have it for the, for, the big, for the big picture. It's allowed. You heard it here first. The VSP that you need to have for any photography shoot, <laughs> TK Maxx, Bargain Isle, women's dresses. First for the Irish Photography Podcast. Yeah. Well done, Robert. That's class boy. I have to say, hats <laughs> off you on that one. <laughs> but it's allowed. It's okay. I understand exactly why. Okay. All right. So listen, look, you know, we're we're nearly done, man. It's amazing to think it. Um, couple of final couple of questions for you. What's next for you? And what's next for Insta Ireland? So you mentioned there, you know, 
you haven't got much time for it at the moment and now you're doing some photography shoots. So hopefully you're getting a bit more time. So what's next for you and next for Insta Ireland? Um, next for me, I mean, as I said, I'm just going to kind of keep going. I mean, I look, as I said, I love the photography, so I'm never going to, I'm never going to give that up. I mean, and I suppose I, I'm going to need a platform to, to share it. So, I mean, that's why, I mean, as reluctant and all, and as, as hateful as I am towards Instagram lately, I mean, I'm still probably going to um, stay with it and, and use it as a platform to post for both my model photography and, and in, in landscapes. Um, in Ireland, I mean, look, I'm going to get back into it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and, 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 and help out Susan and try and, and basically uh, try and see if we can build it back up to our goal was for the end of this year was to be at a hundred thousand. And I mean, I've kind of dropped the ball on that one the last couple of months because just things in general are just, you know, as, as you know, the world has just kind of changed an awful lot in the last couple of months. And yeah, I just haven't had the heart into it to get into it, to do it, to, to, to give it my full. And if I'm not into doing something, if I can't give it my full attention, then, you know, I'm not, there's no point in doing something half-assed. So if it's being run properly and done the way it's supposed to be at the moment, which it is, then I'm, I'm just kind of leaving, as they say, sleeping dogs lie and, and I'll get back into it. In, yeah, in, in leave well course. be. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I suppose, you know, the, the final question then is, where can people find Insta Ireland? So it's Insta underscore Ireland. Yeah. Correct? Mm -hmm. And when, where can people find you on Instagram? Oh, I'm the good old Irish name from the hills of Sneem, Robert underscore Ziegenfuss, uh, which is, is Z, or sorry, you say Z over here, Z-I-E-G-E-N-F-U-S-S. And then I also have my model photography page, which is RZK Photography. Um, but I have that private because being in small town Ireland, I run into problems with basically people giving me crap for what I do. And I mean, it's, it's what I do. I don't have anything full nude. I don't shoot anything that's, that's, that's too graphic. I mean, everything I do, I, I think is tasteful. I don't know. You might have a different opinion on that or your viewers might have a different opinion. No, I think, I think it's very tasteful for sure. Um, yeah. I, I mean, because I said, I tried to make everything very artistic and very tasteful, but I mean, there again, in small town Ireland, you just get shit for everything you try to do. So I have the account on private and I choose who I let him to see my product and who I don't let him see my product. And that's pretty much the way it is. I hate, I hate doing that because as I was mentioning through tags and all that kind of stuff, it's very difficult being a private page to be able to get out there to notice, uh, to mm -hmm. get noticed. Um, but look, as I said, for the sake of, of sanity and from listening to, to small minded people, I just leave it, leave it, leave it private. Well, hopefully you'll send me a couple of images that I can share as thumbnails anyway in the Facebook group and also for the Instagram to promote this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It took me too long to get you on. Um, so, you know, we might have to rectify that. I might have to get you on again now, I think, since I get the movement going. Let's and do see it. How yeah, you, we should. Uh, we should how, you fall in, how you fall into the chair. Yeah, we should do it. It'd be fun. So, right. so we could bitch and moan and, and fight about stuff and we could bring up different topics and we could, you know, we could get into yeah. it. It'd be great fun. I was I was nice to you tonight because you're a guest, like you know. So if you come back again now, I won't be nice to you. I'll just give you complete and utter shite. You've always been nice to me. You're used to that from me anyway. You've always been nice to me, always. Dude, it's been a pleasure. Like I say, thank you very, very much for coming on. Uh, I hopefully see you again soon. And from me in Cork to you down in the beautiful Kenmare, Shlanga Fall. That's bye for now, Asquilga. By the way. Oh, thank you so much for the Irish lesson. I appreciate that. <laughs> you take care and have a great evening. All right. Cheers, man. All the best. Good luck. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. If you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting.